I want to tell you all a secret when we get started here this morning. Here's a secret for you. Pastors stand up and preach 45 to 50 messages a year. And if you preach for several years, you keep adding that up. And one of the sobering reminders as a pastor is you can preach hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sermons, but what they remember most about what you say is about that much. And that's, not, that's, just, human, that's just human beings, right? Right now as I'm speaking, there's so many things you're thinking about, right? You're thinking about lunch, you're thinking about next week, you're thinking about uh, the mortgage payment, uh, the road trip. For some of you, you're thinking about the graduates that just graduated, and you should, uh, but every once in a while, every pastor has their, I don't want to say the word hobby horse, they have their topic that they're so passionate about that it comes up over and over and over until they become accustomed to the people smiling when they mention it because they say, well, he's going after his favorite topic yet again. I'm going to talk about my favorite topic today because it is so passionate in my heart and it has changed my life and it is who I am so that the people that God has called for me to shepherd, I don't ever want you to leave not understanding what I believe God wants us to know about who He is as both loving and as holy. Uh, I have talked about this so much that a certain family in this church for Christmas this year bought me, and I was going to bring it in today, but we're actually using it, we're almost done with it, bought me a, a salt and pepper shaker that has the salt and the pepper in one container. Because I said that the salt and pepper represent the holiness and the love of God. And uh, this, this, this family got me a, a container. We've used it so much, literally, we have it almost down to nothing. So I don't want to bring it in because then you would think God is not loving or holy. Because I've used it all. And I won't tell you the family's name. I'll just say that it, it was a certain superintendent. But uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of them in the room today. So, uh, but it's one of my favorite gifts that I've ever gotten. Because it, when I saw it, I said, it makes sense. I struggle so much as a pastor every day trying to preach God's Word so that you as the people of God will hear this Word and know that God is holy and He cannot stand sin, but He is loving and He desperately wants to be close to you. And every single one of us, because of our personalities and our upbringings, we beeline it to one side or the other. If I, and it's almost generational. If you're over 70 years old, you understand the fear of God. And you understand he, can't, he won't compromise holiness. And he can't stand the presence of sin. And if you're under that age, typically you beeline it to the love of God and the friendship of God and drawing close to God. But then sometimes if we're not careful and we go too far in that direction, we think God is our, our buddy in such a way that we drag him down to our level and we think he's okay with sin like we are. I, I, I want so desperately for us. I think this will transform our relationship with God when we can see Him equally as loving and holy. And so I've asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it in a different way today. Here's the question I want to ask. When you think about God, do you see Him more as a holy creator or a loving God? Okay. Do you see Him more as a holy creator or a loving God? All right. I ask that question because I, I know that you are thinking of Him probably more in one direction or the other. Uh, a holy creator is someone who worthy of our fear. A loving friend is someone who is worthy of our friendship. Now here's the deal. 
What I'm going to present to you today in the Scriptures is good news that you don't have to choose between the two. You do not have to choose between a holy creator and a loving friend because God is both. But one thing you have to do, one thing that many people do not do, is you need to put them in the right order. They're equally important, but one comes before the other in Scripture. If we do not see God as holy, we can never experience Him as loving. And that's what we're going to talk about here today as we open up the book of Psalms. Okay, we, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 25, and the title of my message here this morning is The Only Friendship that is founded on fear. The only friendship that is founded on fear. And we're going to be in Psalm 25, verses 12 through 14. So if you would turn at this time, if you have a Bible, please turn to uh, Psalm 25, verses 12 through 14. If you don't, grab the Pew Bible in front of you. And uh, as you're turning there, I'll, give you, I'll just say for one second a story that has prompted this, this, uh, this message. And I know this is not the first time I've mentioned this, but years ago, uh, I preached revival before I became pastor here. And there's a sweet man of God who was not a member here, but a visitor. And he came down the aisle at the end of service, and he's gone on to be with the Lord. He came up to me, and he, we sang those two songs. I, I, when Eddie was putting the song service together, we chose those two songs on purpose, Friend of God and Me and God, because we sang both those songs that night. And he said to me, how dare you sing about friendship with God? Jesus is not your friend. He is your God. And he said it just like that. And what I, what I said to him was, brother, I love your passion for his holiness, but we're also called, if we're Christian, to be his friend. And we need to have a balance of both. And that started for me a journey of wanting to present God as both. When you leave here, I pray that you see Him as holy, that you will not step out of line because He cannot stand sin, but that you see Him as loving as a Father who will wrap you in His arms and cover you in His grace. You can't have one without the other, but one comes before the other, and we're going to find that out. So if you're at Psalm 25, would you stand at this time? Out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. Again, we're in Psalm 25. I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. Hear God's word to us, starting in verse 12. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. Verse 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And yet, Father, we are called to fear you at the same time, but not the type of fear that we sometimes think, a greater fear, a more holy fear, a reverence and an awesomeness of respect and love and admiration for your glory and your majesty. Father, I am inadequate in human words to present you fully as holy and loving because you're beyond my understanding. But I pray in the short time that we have left that you would help me and help us. Open up our eyes and our hearts, our minds, our ears to truly understand how you want to be worshipped, God, in spirit and in truth as holy and loving, creator and father, and yes, friend. Help us to understand that. Transform our relationships in this room, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have mentioned this many different times, uh, but sometimes it takes repetition for it to really stick. 
And I know people come in and out, and not everybody's here every week, and so maybe this is the first time that you're hearing this. But I want to start off before I walk into the first verse of the passage by redefining what type of fear the Bible is talking about here. Okay? Here's the issue. The Scriptures say that uh, there is no fear when you love God because perfect love casts out all fear. Well, how can perfect love cast out all fear and yet God calls us to fear Him? There must be different types of fear, and there are. Okay, I would say uh, the first type of fear would be, and you can name this many different ways, you know, it would be a horrific fear of condemnation. All right, if God is holy and He cannot stand the presence of sin and He will severely punish those who do not have their sins forgiven and He will send them to the gates of hell forever because He, he just can't be in the presence of it, You're, you should fear with a horrific fear of condemnation. Nobody wants to go there. But here's the deal. If you are a Christian, the Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you are called no longer to have that type of fear. The type of fear that God is calling the people of God to have is different. And the word that I would use for that type of fear is reverence. Reverence. In fact, I would say reverence is a good word because it takes us further than just the word respect. Sometimes people will say, to fear the Lord means have an awesome respect for Him. Well, guess what? There are many people in this room that I respect, but I don't revere. My respect for them does not lead me to be in awe of them and to worship them because that would be sin. That would be idolatry. I'd be making a God out of them. And so the fear that God calls us to have is not the fear that you're so scared that you're going to get sent to hell that you can't even make a mistake without taking a deep breath. That's not the type of fear God's talking about. He's saying the type of fear that you have an awesome reverence for Him. That you know how big and majestic He is. That you know how holy and uncompromising He is. You know not to step out of line, not because you're going to get sent to hell, but because He is a loving Father who still is in the business of disciplining His children. Brother Eddie, you and I were talking about this Thursday night at the Guido Bible College, and we were talking about fear of condemnation is the fear that you will be severely punished forever. But the, the holy fear that God calls us to have, that's a fear of discipline. That those of you that had parents who were good disciplinarians, you didn't fear that you would lose their, their love for you, but you did fear when they were coming in with the, the hand or the switch or the belt or maybe all three. Right? You had a healthy fear. That's what God calls us to have for Him. And what happens is when we're willing to fear Him that way, when we're willing to revere Him, it changes how we live our life. We don't live in obedience out of fear of being sent to hell. We live out of gratitude for what He's done and reverence for His holiness. And it's fueled by grace, not by some rule that we have to do this to be saved. But to enjoy this friendship with God, holiness and fear need to be understood first. And so the first of the three points I'd like to make uh, coming right out of the text, as you see on the screen there, uh, point number one, when we fear God, we revere His holy nature. Verse 12 says this, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will He instruct in the way that He should go. There are so many passages in Scripture that talk about having a fear of God that puts everything else in place. I'll give you, I'll give you several examples real fast. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Here's what God is telling us through His Word. If you fear Him, that means you understand Him. And if you understand God, then everything else that God created falls in place. If I know who God is, and I believe that that's His Word, now I understand how the world was created. Now I understand that I'm made in His image. Now I understand that I fall short of His glory. Now I understand that I'm in need of His grace. Because everything's measured by His perfect standard and not by the standards of the world. I have to first fear Him, and when I fear Him and I know Him, then I have the knowledge of knowing of what is really true in this world and what is not. We have to know what is true to know what is untrue, and it all starts with a foundation of godly fear. God has to be the starting point. Here's some more passages. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Proverbs 14.27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And then Psalm 33.8, this goes perfectly with what Brother Bubba said behind the pulpit this morning. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. If you know Him and understand Him, you will fear Him. And your fear will lead to an awesome worship where your life will be for His glory and not yours. It is a good and wonderful thing to fear the Lord. There's a passage in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 20. And it's the strangest passage until you finally look at it from this perspective. Here's what the passage says, and I'll explain it. Moses was speaking to the people of Israel, and he was saying, Do not fear... For God has come to test you, so that the fear of Him may be before you that you may not sin. In one sentence, Moses said, do not fear so that you can fear. Moses, could you make this any more confusing, please? What's Moses trying to say? Do not fear so that you can fear. Here's what he was saying. Do not be so scared of God that you can't come close to God. But as you come close to God, then you will fear Him reverently as you should. That's what he's saying. The fear of condemnation is not for the people of God. We are not condemned. We are covered in grace by the work of Jesus. Started in His life, finished on the cross, brought to fruition through the resurrection, will be completed upon the second coming. All Jesus, all grace. So we don't fear that. But as the closer that we get to him, the more we see how awesome he is. The example I use every time is the Grand Canyon. The closer you get to the edge of the cliff, the more awesome you see how big the Grand Canyon is. The more as you stand on the edge and do one of these, hopefully with a guardrail in front of you, the more you realize how magnificent that thing is and how quickly you could die if you did not respect the boundaries. The same thing with God. He's so holy, he told Moses, take off your sandals because you're standing close to me. And so Moses had to tell the people, come close to God. But when you come close, take off your sandals because you're going to realize how holy he is. And when you finally realize that and you're willing to take off your sandals, spiritually speaking, and live a godly life in front of God, he offers this amazing gift and it's called friendship. It's amazing. It's amazing. The God of the universe calls you friend. And the reason why 
my brother who came down the aisle that day and said, Jesus is not your God, he's your friend, he did love God, and he did have a reverence for God, but he saw a bunch of people that ran around calling God their friend, but they didn't live for God's glory, and it showed they didn't have fear. So their friendship was a hoax. It wasn't real. They did not have true friendship with God because they never obeyed the commands of God. Jesus says in the Scriptures, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Love and fear are equal, but fear comes before love in the relationship with God. It's not that way with any other relationship. In your marriage, love comes first. In everything else, love comes first because no one else should be feared. But with God, fear comes first, and when that foundation is laid, then it's the love that fuels that relationship. But it's got to come with fear first. And we, we don't ever talk about this. People are scared of talking about fear. I know that sounds crazy. And there's, we, we have no human words to talk about His holiness, to, to, to put it in a way. I mean, I was sitting down writing down ideas. The holiness of God is like an infinite white sheet with no spot or wrinkles. It's a light with no flickering or dimming. It's a perfect record with no flaws or exceptions. It is total. It is eternal. It is uncompromising, set apart, magnificent, and absolutely perfect in every single way. And when you see it, when you die, if you're a Christian and you stand at the foot of the throne, you are going to be so bowled over by His holiness, you, you will not help but cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God and the Lamb, and your heart will be so full of joy, you'll need a new body just to be able to do it for all of eternity. That's His holiness. That is His holiness. And number two, if we revere His holy nature, number two, when we fear God, we will recognize His sovereign blessing. Verse 13 says, His soul shall abide in well-being and His offspring shall inherit the land. When we can see with our eyes who God is, then we can discern with our hearts what comes from Him. And when we know that God is loving and holy, every gift that we have, we begin to recognize how it comes from His sovereign hand. Those who fear God are aware of the work of God. And they know they are, they are blessed specifically because it's God who did the blessing. Have you ever watched, uh, have you ever watched a, an interview, a sports interview after a game, big game, like an NBA player? And they'll be interviewing the player, and the player will say, well, I just had to use my God-given ability to show everybody how awesome I am. You know, they all talk about their legacy. I'm so sick of hearing about LeBron James' legacy. When he dies, his legacy is going to be like a sheet of paper thrown in the trash. You know what I mean? And I like him as a player, but his legacy means nothing to God. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Leg human legacy. But you're going to stand before God. You are going to stand before God. And the only legacy you're going to have is how well you feared him and served him. And I, I, maybe it's the fact that my Sixers are not in the playoffs anymore. I don't know. But here's the deal. When we stand before Him, when we stand before Him, that's all we're going to think about. And, and every blessing that comes from Him between now and then, the more that we fear Him, the more grateful we're going to be, and the more we're going to give Him the glory, and we're going to say it all came from God. It had to. It had to. The, the godliest people in this church, whenever they tell me anything, the sentence ends with something along the lines of, man, what God has done for me. All glory be to God. Hey, listen, it's all about Him. It's not about me. Those are not false words of humility. Those are people who fear the Lord, and they've been given the gift of His blessing. They've been given the gift of His blessing. 
You know, there's, in the essence of time, I'm not going to go through all of them, but there's so many more Psalms that talk about this. I'll just mention one. Psalm 128.1 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When they talk about th- those who fear, they say those people are blessed. They're blessed because they understand the source of all blessing and they understand Him rightly. And that leads to the crescendo of the message here. Point three. All right? When we fear God, we receive His loving friendship. All right, verse 14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. He makes known to them His covenant. Uh, The Scriptures are filled with men who feared God, and because of that, God offered them something amazing, His friendship. I'll give you a few examples. Exodus 33, 11, it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. James 2, 23 Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. John 15, 13 through 15. Greater love has no one than this that someone should lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. And then just... Listen to this passage, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Now, verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. In that one passage, he's saying, humble yourselves under a fear of the Lord. And at the end, it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. A loving friendship. A loving friendship. Why am I so passionate about this? Just bear with me another two minutes. Before I became a Christian, friendship with God was cheap. You know why? Because I believed that I deserved to be a friend of God before I was a Christian. And so did everybody in this room. You cannot know God and who He truly is until the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to see Him. And that's the problem with a generation coming up now that's talking about nothing but the love of God. They see friendship with God as a sense of entitlement. Of course God loves me. Why doesn't He? I mean, gosh, you know, my mom got me a 2018 Chevy Silverado because I deserve it. You know, I I, I wear nothing but the best clothes from the surf shop because I deserve it. I got all this because I deserve it. So when they tell me that God loves me every night before I go to bed, of course He loves me because I'm loving. And we have a whole generation of people that throw around the word love and they make it cheap. And the sad thing is they don't have friendship with God because they don't fear Him. And and their salvation could be in question. I don't know. That's between them and God. But what I will say is this. There's another another thing we've got to be scared of, and this is where I fall into. When I got saved and began to understand God, I feared Him to such a degree, even today it's hard for me to see Him as a friend. Especially as a pastor, I walk with fear into my office every week knowing that every single thing I do, I will stand before God. Hebrews 13 says, I have to stand before God and give an account for every soul I shepherd. And that's what keeps me going. When I talk about a prospective member class and people say, I don't know about that. (laughs) I'd rather people snicker at me here than have to stand before God and give an account for people that I did not know. And that's why I go the extra mile to try to meet with every single person who's going to join our church because I fear Him. But let me say this as we draw to a close. God has put people in my life 
And even people in this room right now who don't even know I'm going to maybe or maybe not mention their name, who have showed me what it really looks like to fear God but have a union and a friendship with Him. The first person that comes to my mind is Bill Collins. And Eddie Jones shared this with me years ago, and then Brother Bill shared this uh, when we were in his house. If you know Bill Collins, you know a man that fears God. There's nothing phony about his walk with the Lord. He's been through everything, and he gives God praise even in the, even in the storms, and he's had a few. But I remember uh, a time that Brother Eddie shared with me that Bill had shared with him where he has a little garden, and he pulled up a couple of chairs and sat down and said, Sit down, God, we have to have a talk. And he talked to God as if he was talking to a friend. But there was nothing cheap about that. He wasn't drawing God down to his level. He was simply pouring his heart out to someone who he knows loves him more than he can put into words. You know the second person that taught me? Edna Brinson. One day I was in the office and struggling with something, and I was talking about hours in the day. And you know what Miss Edna said to me? She said, every day I wake up and I say, God, what work are we going to do together today? And every night I go to bed and I say, thank you, God, for this work we could do together today. You know what that says? That's reverence for a holy God, but also understanding that God is a loving friend who does want to stand beside us and say, let's do this together. You know, I'm thinking about all the ministries of this church, and I lay in bed and say, how am I going to do this? And I, I need to remind that God's, God has offered me a friendship and said, but we'll do it together. Walk with me. Follow me. We'll get it done. I, 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 don't, I just yearn for this. Michael Guido is another example. And everyone in this room has a Michael Guido story. I mean, that man revered God. But you know what? He would pray for shoes. And God would bless him with a pair of shoes. Read his biography if you didn't know him. Uh, just these little prayers that showed that he had a sweet, intimate friendship with God. And yet, he didn't take that for granted. I know this, this sermon is kind of out of the bounds of how I usually preach, and June will start up with another book in 1 Timothy, Lord willing. But I wanted to pause today, before we leave, to ask you to think about this. Think about this. Do you fear Him? And if you do, have you celebrated the friendship that you have in Him as well? Do you know the blessing of, that, of being called a friend of God? That song, I am a friend of God, He calls me friend. The other song that Eddie sang, he rules the earth with a staff and rod. We're a team, me and God. If you don't know God and you, you don't fear him, then you, you can use those lyrics and make that cheap and say, yeah, me and God. God's my buddy. He's my homeboy. We do what we want. No. When you understand God and you fear him, then you do understand that there's a wonderful, beautiful friendship and intimacy. And you can be an Edna Brinson or a Bill Collins or a Michael Guido, and you can wake up with a smile on your face and a, a gentle and quietness in your spirit and say, God, we're going to do some good work together today. I'm going to bless some people today. Will you help me? And as a loving father puts his arm around his children, he'll say, let's do it together. My favorite hymn, I sing it to my, my daughter all the time. A closer walk with thee. Dear Jesus, let it be. I, I painted a picture of what I thought that, 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 uh, what that would look like, uh, walking closely with Jesus, and actually hang, they have it hanging up in the Guido Bible College. Dave, I told him not to critique me because I'm not an artist. It's the best I could do. They said my Jesus looks like Henry Winkler, and the guy that I painted looks like George W. Bush. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but I want that picture of my life, and I'm just confessing to my church family, that's not easy for me. 
It's not easy for me to see God as a friend because I know what, what's at stake with me serving him. But can I tell you, he keeps, he keeps putting Edna Brinson's in my path because he wants me to see him as a friend. So in one sentence, as I wrap it up, at the cross, Christ fulfilled our holy requirements from God so that we could have an eternal relationship with God. Think about this. Friendship was offered in the garden. God walked with them in the cool of the day. Friendship was lost at a tree. All right, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Once that sin entered the world, the friendship was fractured. But friendship was restored on a cross, the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ took all the holy requirements for us because he knew that we couldn't meet them so that when we put our faith in him, we are offered the friendship that Jesus earned for us. And then friendship will be restored at another tree, the tree of life in the new heavens and the new earth. And so right now we are called as Christians to fear him. That means to revere him and understand how awesome he is and understand he's, not incap- he's incapable of uh, being in the presence of sin now more than he's ever been. But he's also loving. And even when you fall short, if you're willing to confess, which we do in here each week, and you're willing to be honest and with a genuine effort ask for help and turn away from sin and keep following Jesus, you don't have to worry about that God looking down at you with a, with a brow and a fist and a, a paddle. You can look at him as a loving father and friend who puts his arms around you and says, let's go. And this week, let's do good work together. I pray that you would leave today thinking about God as both creator and friend. And if you don't know Jesus, as we enter into a time of invitation, I would say this. You should fear him for condemnation. Because if you do not know Jesus, you will have to take an account of your sins at your time of death. And no one, no one is perfect. Therefore, no one will be declared innocent apart from Jesus. But if you put your faith in him, if you're willing to confess that you are a sinner and you need salvation, you will receive the Lord Jesus Christ. His record will become your record. And you can not only be saved, but you can be restored to what we were supposed to have in the garden. And that is friendship with God. Let's pray. Father, there is no one like you There's no human words to describe you. It's frustrating sometimes trying to describe you because there's no way to do it. So in our human efforts, Father, we just say that you are holy and worthy of our fear and loving and worthy of our friendship. And we lean in one direction or the other, but Father, I beg you today, let this not be one sermon that goes in one ear and out the other for any of us, including myself. Because we're going to think about you at the dinner table. We're going to think about you when we're driving our cars. We're going to think about you at work tomorrow morning. We're going to think about you in our marriages, the way we speak to each other. We're going to think about you in our actions, the way we live for each other. We're going to think about you and how we raise our children and all the things that we do, Father. Can you help us to see you as holy and we fear you in a greater way that we would not step out of line? But can you also help us to see you as loving, as a friend, so that when we do, we know that we're not condemned, but we're loved and embraced by a loving Father and a friend who wants to do good work with us. God, I I pray that your Holy Spirit would pick up where I have dropped the ball and help us to apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.